I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Nikki Bandini. On this edition... Bayern Munich and the arts of the lastminute.com transfer window deal. Also, will the last superstar to leave PSG turn the lights off and leave the club in a better place than when they were there? And the new season, according to Jose Mourinho. The special one has got a lot to say. And as always, we're all here to listen. Before we begin... Let me just remind you that this is the On The Continent feed. We'll be with you on this feed every week throughout the season to keep you up to date with all the latest news from the world of European football. Every Thursday, we'll have our regular main show where our selection of football's best journalists join us for your definitive guide to the week in European football. Then on Friday, we'll have a brand new show, Ask OTC where we answer your questions about the latest news from the continent. Plus, whenever there's any big breaking news, we'll be on hand with OTC Reacts to explain and unpack everything about the story hitting the headlines. So, whatever you do, make sure you go and subscribe to this feed to ensure that you never miss an episode. Now... First show of the season, already we've got some breaking news for you. As we speak, Tottenham and Bayern Munich have reached a hundred million euro deal over Harry Kane. It's not quite done yet though, is it Andy? No, it's not. And they really need it to happen. You know, the ball had been in Bayern's court and then it was in Daniel Levy's, we presumed. He seems to have had his say. So does... Kane go through with it and all I would say is that Bayern really need him to for a a number of reasons Um, the first one as we've mentioned before is that he'll upgrade them big time there's no doubt about that in terms of 
um, what he can add in terms of goals, in terms of being able to drop and pass to the wide men, all that good stuff, and and in filling that Robert Lewandowski-shaped status in the dressing room. So there's some certainty to the way that Bayern are going to line up week after week after week. But in terms of prestige, this really matters to them. Now, it's been the subject of some debate in Germany. Should they be out there spending the thick end of 100 million? And only a handful of times in Bayern's history have they spent over 40 million euros on a player. They tend to go um, low fees or freeze and big wages. That's, that's that's the way they tend to do things, or fixed release clauses. Um, and most of the players they've spent a lot of money on in recent years, be it Luca Hernandez, Matis de Ligt, have been um, defenders. So th- this this is a departure. Um, so th- they really need this to work. If it happens, they really, really need it to work. And having gone so far in for Kane, knowing that this is the only summer that it could happen, because... In previous years, they've been interested, but they've not had the degree of encouragement they've really wanted. And with him having more years on his contract, the fee was completely beyond what what they could deal with. And next summer, if he were to let his contract run down and um, be available on a free, I very much doubt Bayern would be at the front of the queue. So it's got to be now or never. And once they sign him, it's really got to work. Because, of course, at the end of last season... They've been Khan, they've been Salahamazic. Tuchel has got more of a steering role in transfers. And you know when we say how the, the way that a coach would sign a player uh, or, or sign players and the way that a sporting director would sign players is very different. Because I'm, if I'm a coach, I want something for an immediate need. I'm not really thinking about the long term. This feels like a coach signing, mm. actually. Now, we knew they were interested in him before... Tuchel, but it's become a realistic possibility. It looks like he steered it well. Obviously, he had that convincing talk with Declan Rice before, um, which didn't quite come to fruition, obviously, because he'd set his heart on Arsenal. Um, And he's had some productive chats with Harry Kane as well. A lot is being staked on this because this is not a signing to win the Bundesliga. It's a signing to win the Champions League, to show everyone that Bayern is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Given all of that, given all that this signing meant, Nicky, begs the question, why did it take so long? I mean, for as far as we know so far. Yeah, I think it's been an interesting negotiation to sort of observe because really Bayern Munich didn't hold any power in this negotiation. That's the interesting thing. In a sense, you could look at it and go Tottenham uh, are a team with a very sort of shaky grip on the power in the negotiation because Kane's contract's running down because next year you lose him for nothing if he doesn't agree to sign a new contract which he hasn't done yet um, and so that they don't feel like they're in this sort of holding the whip hand position but actually without another bidder Daniel Levy knew that Bayern, Bayern Munich knew that if he goes on a free transfer next season it almost certainly won't be to Bayern it'll be to Real Madrid it'll be to to someone a bit more obvious Um and and I think that sort of created quite an, an unusual power dynamic. I think Bayern were possibly a bit naive about Daniel Levy and, and how sort of stubborn he can be. Um, but it was I guess really... the other thing is, when are they in a position where they're really going head to head with one of the other biggest clubs in the world? Yeah. You, you know, really, they're, they're, they're often taking players off 
sort of subordinate teams in in mm-hmm. terms of the status in European football, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, we might get to that. I, mean, I, think the other, I think they've made some other interesting signings this summer. Mm. They just were missing this gap up front and all the other clubs they signed from, really, even including Napoli, who just won the league, you would say in, this, in the hierarchy of European football don't carry the same weight. Yeah. Um, and that's true of Tottenham as well. Bluntly, the difference is that that with Tottenham, Tottenham have Premier League money behind them. So Tottenham might not have the European sort of grandeur that Bayern Munich do, but they have Premier League money and that makes it a different proposition. But it was interesting because I, I hadn't had this thought at all until you were saying what you just said, Andy. And it's just come into my head with that sort of idea of ageing signing, statement signing, a, certain, a signing that's a bit about just like saying, well, no, we are European royalty and we can go and sign this player. The parallel that jumped into my head all of a sudden was Cristiano Ronaldo Juventus. Now it's different because, of course, Ronaldo was already 35, 36 by the time he went there and and very much whilst, of course, he would have disagreed vehemently about the extent of his decline sort of on that that decline. Whereas I think Kane, we believe, still has a couple at least of, of really, really top, mm. more than a couple of years of a really top level football in him. and And so it is different. But it also doesn't have the thing that Ronaldo had of Look, Harry Kane's a big brand, but he's not a Ronaldo brand. Ronaldo brings in, part of the deal for Juventus was, he's going to send our socials through the roof, and he did. And Harry Kane, with the best one in the world, I don't think, can do what Ronaldo does to your socials. But he's a, he's a brilliant footballer. I think he, you know, I don't think winning the league is really the important part of the conversation, but I think he greatly adds weight if they can get this deal across the line, which now, of course, does depend on him. He greatly adds weight to their chances of, of winning the Champions League. And as Andy said... For Thomas Tuchel, who doesn't care about Bayern in five years' time, cares about his career right now, it's obviously a fantastic signing if they can make happen. So clearly Bayern have filled the hole that we've been talking about for quite a long time on OTC <laughs> yeah. that they needed that Harry Kane would be the perfect fit to replace Robert Lewandowski. And Nicky mentioned there that Bayern have made other significant signings in this window. I think it's worth making um, a point about the significant signings that they haven't managed to get through because they've got a big hole in their goal at the moment. Yeah, they do. And um, Manuel Neuer, of course, got injured post the World Cup in that skiing accident um, for which they signed Jan Zommer. Jan Zommer, who now belongs to Inter, had quite a harem scarum debut at uh, Salzburg this week, um, but I'm sure it will work out for them. Uh, Alexander Nubel came back from his two-year loan at Monaco where... It was varied, to say the least, and um, they obviously didn't rate him because they sent him off to Stuttgart. That leaves them with Sven Ulreich and a Neuer who we don't know how fit he is. I mean, there's been speculation in Germany this week that they're erring on the side of caution. He's not expected to start the Bundesliga campaign. Maybe he won't even play until 2024, the suggestion has been in some cases. Now, you know, that's very much a worst-case scenario. But you think... With that in mind, and also with what we already knew, even before this had come to light, the fact that Neuer is 37, the fact that he wasn't in great form at the World Cup, the fact that he's had a very, very serious leg injury, that who knows, maybe he'll be back to his best just like that. But maybe he won't. And for him, as compared to other goalkeepers, mobility is key. And I think ageing is key because you want him to come off his line. Now... Why they would let two goalkeepers go, including one world-class one in Zoma, as we were saying, even if he's not been incredible since he's arrived at Bayern, I think is extremely risky. You know, that's a key position in there. Now, the latest reports is that they're um, looking at getting in 
Kepa Arizabalaga. Uh, no, if if you think that he's buying standard guys, I think you have a slightly different view of it to to, to me. I think that's extraordinary. Of course, the the fact that he's good with his feet, etc. Maybe that's the reason. And of course, Thomas Tuchel knows him from from their time together at, at Stamford Bridge. But it still feels that Bayern are playing catch up in the in the, in the market a, a little bit now. Conrad Lima coming in is great. Kim Minjai coming in is. Is, is great and I think their defence will be better going forward because De Ligt was one of the the few real high points of last season for Bayern. He started to look like he was fulfilling that potential that he didn't really manage to do at Juventus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think there are a few question marks and really when you look at transfer policy and you have questions over it, you have questions over the people who are running the club. So that's the concern, I think. Well, it's not just Kefa Azubailaga that's on the radar for Bayern Munich. It's also David De Gea, who yes. left Manchester United. Can you think of a more unsuitable goalkeeper for them in, in, in terms of the reason that United got rid of him? Yeah, I, mean, I see what you mean in terms of, of what you're asking your goalkeeper to do. I, I don't know, I, I sort of, it's, it's interesting hearing how pessimistic you are about their, their outlook because I, I think I just, I'm so high on Kim. I think he's, really like a, a brilliant signing at that price and I think yeah. that as you said Delict seemed like he came on well last season Lima's nice signing Rafael Guerrero as well you're, you're weakening all your rivals again which is the classic Bayern thing to do um, but you're right and goalkeeper is a, a huge sort of difference maker it's a huge difference maker actually I think when it comes to knockout competitions and and the difference that it made for Inter when Andrea Nana replaced Sanmir Handanovic last season is a reason a big reason they end up in a Champions League final um, so there are there are still outstanding questions but it's interesting because up to this point of the transfer window I'm pretty sure they've brought in a lot more than they've spent so obviously Kane if it happens will flip that but presumably there's still money in the kitty or maybe there isn't after, if Kane it, happens it's, it's never really about money with Bayern it's about willingness to spend it and do you str- trust the people who are spending it to spend it because um, their transfers have not been good enough over the last couple of years I mean you look at Sadio Mane, who should have mm. been, and this kind of partly feeds into the the, the Kane thing. I think Sadio Mane is a sure thing. <laughs> mm. there's, there's no getting away from that. He's one of the best players in the world over the last five years, and this is another reason why I think this Kane thing is important for Bayern and the way they are perceived in European and world football, because obviously a huge part of the way it happened with Mane is. His injury. Like he started the season okay. You know, they had to think about the shape of the team and how they were going to include him. At the start, you look at the start of the season when they were really flying and banging in a load of goals. And it was a sort of 4-4-2 with Gnabry and Mane up front. And then it shifts a bit. Mane goes back to his natural position. Maybe he's, he's competing with a lot of wide players, which I think is an issue, particularly when he comes back from that big mid-season injury. But I, I just think the way that they got rid of him and the way that Tuchel spoke about him in public, if if I was a big player, if I was an elite player, that, that would make me look at Bayern and say, really? Mm. You know, I, I think the way you treat people is really, really important, especially for those elite players. It's not always about money. It's about the respect that money conveys. Like, like respect is the key thing, I, I, I think. And, you know... I'm sure if if Kane goes there, if Kane does complete this move, he will improve it. But to flip back to your point, Nicky, that idea of the silver bullet that pushes you over the top to win the Champions League. I mean, Ronaldo to Juventus and Messi to PSG, 
have proved that's nonsense. Yeah. You need loads of other stuff. And the, the, the less glamorous stuff that you were talking about, Don, the fact that to win the Champions League, you need to be outstanding off the ball. You need to not make those kind of little mistakes. The idea that a superstar forward player can push you, push you over the top, I think discounts the fact that it's cup competition, that it's luck, all, all those other little bits, all those other sort of both organisational, unglamorous and indefinables that you were talking about Inter last season. I think it denies all of those. I, I think the other thing about the, the Kane deal, and again, I'm, some, I'm reluctant to talk it down because I, I, did, I do think Harry Kane's a brilliant footballer. And yeah. so obviously like yeah. landing him, whatever you spend is going to make your team better. Um, but sort of bringing it all the way back to that sort of bit at the start where I was saying about who holds the power in the negotiation. I think it's interesting that Bayern like never really like even pretended there was another target. There was never even like a sort of symbolic, well, okay, if you push us too far, we're going to sign this guy. And it just feels a bit sort of rigid thinking. It feels a bit sort of, and again, that's why it comes back to the thought of, as you put it, is this a coach signing? Because is it your coach has put his foot down and said, well, if you don't get me Harry Kane, I'm going to make a big fuss about it. Mm. Because there are always alternatives. Now, I like Harry Kane better than a lot of the alternatives. United spent what I think is an extraordinary amount of money this summer on on Rasmus Hoyland, who who might be brilliant, but he he hasn't shown us the years yet. So to spend 70 million on him is is a big gamble. Whereas with Kane, you think you're not gambling. Um, There aren't a sort of wealth of of classic number nines out there that you can go and just pick up for 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 pocket change. But it does feel like um it feels like this idea has been so fixed in Bayern's mind since the start of the summer that maybe it's it's obliterated all else. And and let's keep in mind that as we're recording this, it might still not happen. Yeah. It may that's a good point to point out. And it does feel as if we've been watching a poker game the only Daniel Levy has been really involved in mm. that Bayern haven't been at the races for this poker game at all from what you're all saying shall we watch this space your guess is as good as ours by the way if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. 
BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, let's move on to another super uh, club of Europe, one of Europe's super clubs, just like Bayern Munich, who have got their own transfer issues as well. PSG seem to be shipping all the superstars out of the club. What's going on there, Andy? And bringing new ones in. I mean, they are looking busy. There's there's no doubt about it, as, as, as busy as anyone could hope at, at this point. I think you just have to look at the front part of the team at the moment because, of course, Gonzalo Ramos has arrived from Benfica. Uh, Usman Dembele is just about to sign as well. And we're looking at maybe Randall Colomuani as, 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 as well. So you're looking at three youngish players who made a, all made a massive dent in the World Cup, by the way. And then you've not only moved past Messi and Mbappe, you're moving past Neymar as well. Now, we'll come back to that bit of, of, of it in a minute because I, I think it's worth dwelling on the players they've brought in. Now, in the case of Dembele and Kolo Moani, they want to make the, the team and the squad more French. And I can understand that. I, I think it needed to be made younger. It's extraordinary in a way that they're kind of building the Mbappe model, what he wanted, probably without him you know it's like when you go to university and your parents like keep your bedroom as a shrine it's a little bit like that really <laughs> Didn't it happen to me <laughs> <laughs> but i think gonzalo ramos is a, is a really interesting addition to this as, as 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 well now of course they've had to do a little ffp workaround where very much like they did with mbappe when he arrived in the it's easy to forget on in his first year at psg he was loaned from uh, Monaco with an almost automatic um, buy clause at the end of the season. It was like that they've done it with a, a couple recently, it's, and it's going to be the same with Gonzalo Ramos. If they qualify for the Champions League, they will have to complete the purchase next summer. So it's, well, they're it's, working it's, around the loopholes. It's, so. it's pretty much obligatory. That's right. So it's sixty-five million up front and fifteen million more in various objectives. So that, that would be 80 million overall. So what they're doing is they're paying 20 million euros loan fee and that will come out of the 65 that is due next summer. So they're only paying, paying 20 million for him now. That's, what, that's, that's what's happening. Now, Gonzalo Ramos is really interesting because he is the fixed point centre forward that Mbappe has really wanted to play with <laughs> for a long time. So if they do still have Mbappe on September the 1st. And I know, that obviously, at this point, they're still threatening to like leave him in the stand for the season if he stays. I mean, that's just not happening. 
they would work really well together. I I could see them being absolutely fantastic together. Now, Gonzalo Ramos is a great finisher, very versatile finisher, has excelled in the Portuguese Liga, in the Champions League, in the World Cup. I think if you look back to the bit before Roger Schmidt taking charge of Benfica, when he was used by Nelson Verissimo, the um, interim coach, as sort of number 10, that sort of trained his football brain a bit more. And you've got an all-round player out of that. What I find really interesting is age-wise, both Dembele and Colomani, Nicky, are more senior than him. I feel more certain you know what you're getting from Gonzalo Ramos. Yeah, interesting thought. I mean, I just, it's, it's such a sort of gear shift all at once. And I think that like another club, I wonder if they would be able to, to get away with it. But because of PSG's sort of domestic position, it feels like you can do that and probably still win the league. And it doesn't matter if you don't win the Champions League right away because you haven't been doing that anyway. Yeah. And so they've got the new training ground obviously just been built. Mm. Like doing it all at once like this sort of feels like a, a sort of opportunity to to find out with questions like that about who the leaders are in the group and who the sort of the the, the mature figures are in, in, in this sort of this set. I think, you know, all of that is sort of if you have the patience, will come out in the wash. And if you really believe that Luis Enrique is the manager who's going to do that next step for you, which they seem to do, they seem to want to have, after all these years, have someone come in with a personality and, and set an agenda. There's been all this talk with him. Uh, his appointment was that it was very specifically about wanting to play a certain kind of football, wanting to play attacking football. They're very play... his kind of forwards, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, if, if you go back to when he was first coach of Roma, where Roma fans, even though they didn't do brilliantly, they were actually quite sympathetic to him, weren't they? Because you, because you could see the vision. Mm. Can you imagine that team with his front three? Yeah, it's it's funny again. I, I think maybe because we're going to be talking about him later. I was um, sort of drawing the parallel in my head with um, Chelsea when Abramovich showed up with all the money and, and getting a manager in right away. In, in um, well, not right away because of course Ranieri was there first, but mm. immediately basically appointing Mourinho and, and getting a manager with such a sort of force of character that like an identity came with it. So it wasn't just here are all these expensive players. We've got an identity. And I think it took the City project a bit longer, right? Because yes, they were able to win before him. But once Pep Guardiola came in, it became a different animal. It became There's a, philosophy. a club. Exactly. There's a brand of football. And it, it yeah. feels like PS, this is the year when PSG, not that they have necessarily ignored that up till now, but when they've tried to sort of marry that wholeheartedly, that actually like, the thing we've been missing is a philosophy. The thing we need to accept is that we're not going to make this progress just by having the best of this and that. We have to have an idea behind it. And yes, I I sort of, to some extent, I think it's it's a really interesting choice for Enrique to take the job because um, because there is uncertainty about the single most attractive part of taking the job, which is Mbappe, right? Like if you're a manager and the club that has maybe the best footballer on the planet on their book says, do you want to work for us? Probably he's part of your thinking. Probably, yeah. Like, yeah. Of course, of course. I'd, I'd quite like that. Uh, he must be thinking you're having a laugh if you. Yes. I'm going to put him in the stands for the whole season. Um, and and yet he does seem to be kind of rolling with the idea that he might not have him. I find this situation about whether he's going to come in because right now he's been training apart, as as Andy was saying. And I mean that literally can't hold, from what I understand, according to like French labour legislation. If they keep him frozen out of the squad by the time the, the games start happening, they might end up with a sort of legal situation where he can. I don't know if he can unpick his contract or, or bring legal action against them. Which... Yeah, they've already had the players' union knock it on their door. Yeah. yeah. So so that will resolve one way or the other. Um, 
but but yeah, I, you know, as as you've been saying, I, I think this idea of of building around young players, obviously the new training ground makes sense. Building around a, a young sort of um, French core, all sort of makes sense in. I don't know what the right word is. Ideological terms. Ideological feels too strong, but I think um, you get the sense of what I'm going for. Um, but it is, on the other hand, you know, that's all like a nice idea. On the other hand, you are still signing a ton of players in their early 20s and saying, make a team right now. Mm. Um, and maybe it's fine just because in League 1, it'll be fine. Wouldn't you have liked to have been a fly on the wall, though, at that point when Luis Enrique is uh, inviting some of their big players in for a conversation, the likes of uh, Verratti, Ekitike, Renato Sanchez, and um, well, giving them the their P45s and Neymar as well. And, uh, what, did he actually give Neymar the P45? That, that, that's the big one. Well, presu- oh. presumably, uh, Luis Campos is handed over the uh, paperwork, but with Luis Enrique, he's someone who's not shy at all, so that for him might have been an issue in terms of. Neymar, I think it's a bit of a learning experience actually for, for, for Luis Enrique because he's been a very political club before in Barcelona, but Barcelona is political in a very different way, mm-hmm. of course, which is um, connected with history to a, to, to a certain extent. Whereas with PSG, as Nicky was saying, his first thing is like, well, when can I include Mbappe? We can't. <laughs> so now can I include Mbappe? No, you can't. <laughs> And in the end, even he stops asking. Of course. Mm. So I think it feels to me that him and Neymar, and we said it before on the show, I think it would be quite a nice click. He, mm. he got Neymar's best ever football out of him during those three years they were together at Barcelona. They won a Champions League together. And there have been no complaints about Neymar's efforts, really, in terms of what he did at Barcelona. All his teammates loved him. You know, he's someone who was happy taking responsibility on his shoulders. And you think, okay, maybe this could be a bit of a rebirth for him. But if the ownership of the club turns around and says, yeah, actually, we need to ditch him. I, I mean, the other the other side of it is the, the Neymar he had when he was at Barcelona is very different to the Neymar of, of now. I've said before, I think he made a dreadful mistake going to France I think a lot of the perceptions about him not pulling his weight are really unfair but his decision in going to France it, it's, it's taken a toll on his body because mm. all the injuries he's taken have been contact injuries from over attention from defenders they've not been the sort of strains and pulls you get from poor lifestyle it, it, he's, he's been kicked off the park that has been the issue for him and it's taken a toll on him mm. and you, you could argue okay if I'm Luis Enrique and I want to come in and play dynamic football, can this version of Neymar do it for me? You have to say in the amount of games that he has played for Bar- um, for PSG over the last couple of years, maybe not. Maybe he can't. So I think you look at that. You look at the amount of games that Verratti plays or doesn't. Again, I think there's a reason to get rid of him. Burnout, okay, he's had his injury issues and he's, he's kind of on the cusp, I, I suppose. Ekitike, you could make the argument that's quite different you can make the argument whether he's he's good enough or, or or not for PSG level but Renato Sanchez is kind of you know not quite the same elite level as Verratti and well maybe it's best but certainly not Neymar it seems that you need a certain level of physical strength to to work for this team yeah and, and I was thinking about again I, I guess I thought it was Chelsea parallel fix in my head at the moment but I, I was thinking about really sort of what made 
that team so successful. And there was so much talent in it, obviously, and and obviously, it's all of it, of course, right? It's it's the defense, it's um, Drogba up front. But I always felt like observing that team. None of this is held together without Makaleli and then Sen in the middle. I think that sort yeah. of sort of central part of it is sort of so fundamental. And it's interesting. I think Verratti, I saw, is quite close to actually becoming like the all-time most appearances. And yet, oddly, even though I've enjoyed him as a footballer, it has never quite felt like he's been as as celebrated as being that holder together of everything as perhaps it was envisaged when he first arrived. He's been a charismatic player. He's been an energetic player, but he's always been perhaps a bit too chaotic to be sort of viewed as that glue. And I wonder if, you know, that's the hope of someone like Ugarte coming in is you've got someone coming in who might give you a new platform on which to, to build yeah. it all. Well, Luis Enrique might have uh, stopped asking the PSG hierarchy, but you make sure that you don't stop asking us. In fact, we love your question so much that we've started an entire uh, different show. Ask OTC. It comes out on your feed tomorrow. If... You've subscribed. But meanwhile, we can take this question from Dan. And thank you, Dan. With Messi gone and Neymar going, are PSG now actually better as an overall team? This is such a fascinating question because I think you both know where it's getting at. They loaded themselves with superstars who caused a lot of issues for them. Now, without some of those big-name players that we've been talking about, do they gel better together or not? We don't know if you, you're yeah. chucking five new ones at the team at the same time. I think that's the thing. In answer to Dan's question, in time, maybe. But we don't know yet. I mean, I guess what what you're thinking is if they're more athletic, do they become better off the ball? I think p- partly you can make an argument for that. Um, and certainly in the case of Gonzalo Ramos and Randal Colo Moani, I think with Usman Dembele, it doesn't matter whether he's 15, 25 or 35, he's, he's never going to be great without the ball. But I think what you're looking at in terms of what they can become, those are three footballers, that front three that we've talked about, that potential front three that we've talked about with a really elite level of football intelligence. I mean, I think you saw at Eintracht Frankfurt, and, you know, we talked about various profits at stages during the the, 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 the transfer window. Rando Colo Moani signed for Eintracht Frankfurt on a fee last summer and they're probably going to sell him to PSG for 100 million. I mean, that, that's, that's exceptional mm. business. But not only was he great in the Bundesliga season, not only was he really good in the Champions League, not only was he great in the World Cup when, you know, he, he took his chance with both hands, which he wasn't expecting to get and nearly ended up scoring the winner in the final. I think you look at the way that he connects with Mbappe, who plays for the national team, the way he connects with Mario Goetze when they play for Eintracht Frankfurt. And you know that idea of like birds of a feather flock together. That elite football intelligence just finds itself. I think for Kolo Moani to be able to click with those sort of players underlines just how good he is and just how good he he can be. Look at the clubs that have been interested in Kolo Moani this summer. So you're looking at PSG, you're looking at Bayern, you're looking at Manchester United. You know, really the sort of ones who are trying to get the absolute top strikers in in European football. Now, going back to what we're talking about with Harry Kane, maybe Kolo Moani is just a little bit too expensive for Bayern and what they're trying to do at the moment. They find it difficult. 
if they find it difficult to pay 100 million for someone with a year left on his contract, maybe they find it even more difficult to pay 100 million for someone who cost Eintracht Frankfurt absolutely nothing mm. last summer when they're used to picking off their domestic rivals, as, as, as Nicky was talking about before. I was just going to say that I think there's like some idea in that question of like, Remember the end of the first Galacticos era under Perez? He goes and Capello mm. comes in, knocks some sense over into everyone. They win the league twice and so because the Galacticos are gone, we can restore reason. And I think it's probably a bit of an oversimplification. Also, it's not really analogous in, in PSG's case because PSG probably will win the league anyway. They were winning the league before. And actually, Capello didn't win the Champions League because it does take something special to win that. Mm. So so I don't know. I think I think it's it's too early to know how all that work out. Yeah, talking about taking something special to win, um, Jose Marino has been talking or has it been lecturing? <laughs> it's, he was having... Um, actually, I mean, Andy was saying this right before he came on, it was an astonishingly long interview he gave to... Um, Ivan Zazzaroni of, of Corriere della Sport, a really sort of like really, really lengthy interview, um, which goes into a lot of detail on lots of different topics. I don't know if I would say he was in lecturing mode. He was Jose is always in the world according to Jose mode. And um you sort of are always reading everything he says and going, Well, do you really think that or are you it's selling a story? For a book, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but actually I, I thought what was interesting is there were several points in the interview where Zazzaroni actually challenged him on those sorts of things. When Jose would say something, sort of painting a rosy picture of whatever, he wasn't allowed to get off the hook just with saying it. He was always sort of, is that how it happened? Is that really how you feel? And uh, whether we got a, a clear picture, I don't know, but I think we certainly got some interesting content. The, the big question, frankly, Nikki, is we expected, and we talked several times, we expected Jose Marino to not be at Roma for this new season. Mm -hmm. And there he is in this interviewing saying, what, what, me, Gov? Yes, yeah. Well, we talked about it, I'm pretty sure, on this show after the, the Europa League final. It sort of felt like he was saying goodbye. Now, he insists in this interview that he um, went into the locker room immediately after full-time and said, I'll be back next season to his players. Um, I'm, I'm a little sceptical that that's necessarily <laughs> how it went down, but of course I wasn't there and, and Jose has was, so his account has more weight than mine does. Um, or maybe he did say it, but even in saying it wasn't necessarily totally certain. He certainly wasn't publicly as, as confident in what he was saying um, right after um, right after that final. He, he's at a really interesting point in his career, I think, um, because obviously two years is kind of the, the typical Jose window. Third year is often where it, if he stays that long, things start to, wheels start to go off. Um, and, it feels like there's a real potential for the wheels to come off at Roma this season. I mean, among the sort of fun things that Jose's been up to recently, he took a team photo at the end of um, Roma's training camp in Portugal, whole squad there. And in the middle of it, Jose has stood with a couple of other members of his staff, leaving a deliberate gap with Jose reaching his arm around like he's putting his arm around someone. And the deliberate gap is the striker they haven't signed. Um, and they still haven't signed that striker. Uh, they were trying to get Scamacca, of course, from West Ham, but uh, because of their financial position, because they've got you know, financial fair play um, conditions to work within, they could only offer a loan to West Ham and then an option to buy later. And uh, obviously, Atalanta were able to come in with the money for Scamacca, so he's gone there. So Roma are desperately short up front. Tammy Abraham's probably out for another five or six months. Andrea Bellotti couldn't buy a goal last season. 
and that's kind of it. Um, obviously, Paolo Dybala is there, but plays in a deeper role normally. So, so they are desperately short up front, um, which makes it hard to see how they would take a big step forward from where they were last season when obviously they did miss out on the top four and agonisingly, because they did get very, very close and could have had a penalty, which was another big topic of Jose's conversation. They didn't win the Europa League final, so not in the Champions League. So it feels like this season has potential to get really messy for, for for Roma and therefore for Mourinho. At least in this interview, he was very much painting the story of, I'm a changed man. I'm more relaxed about life now than I used to be. I laugh more than I used to be. Which I actually think there's some truth in that. I, I do think Jose has, in his way, mellowed. Now, I appreciate that Jose's mellow is not everybody's mellow, but I think he is, he's inevitably with age, no longer got that sense of, of having to, to constantly sort of prove himself in the way that he did before. Um, but I, I still think there's um, potential for things to get messy there and, and perhaps even some things hinted at in the interview. Jenny, you picked up on as well, Andy, about um, a, a fragility in the way he feels and in the way that he feels he wasn't defended by the club after that Europa yes. League final. Yes, that's that's it, isn't it? That there, there's there controversy few... in that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think there are a few little bits in the interview. Even when he says, "You know, I'm," I, I realise I was coming to a, a club that didn't have the sort of means of my, my previous clubs, um, but I felt the love here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We, we we know he feels the love, but there's definitely frustration, understanding why the club can't go out and hit hard in the transfer market, and reconciling yourself with the result are two different things, I think. Mm. And that's the problem at, at, at the moment. Now, maybe his way is, you know, poking fun at it, as you were saying with the with the team photo. And he has obviously staunchly defended Bellotti and said that he expects him to have a, a much better season. Even if that's the case, they can't go through this first part of the season with just Bellotti. They, they mm. need another centre forward from from somewhere. Now, of course, things could change a little bit. Maybe Roger Ibanez, who's who's leaving for Al Ahly for the Middle East, they're getting like thirty million odd for him. Maybe he could be the key to un- unlock a deal for um, Marcos Leonardo from Brazil, or mm. for for Alvaro Morata, who well, he's, he's got Mourinho team written all over him, really, hasn't he? And he, he's been someone they've been keen on for a, for a while. It was a fun back and forth in the interview as that only was basically saying you want Morata don't you and Mourinho's going I will not name the player. But... <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll just write him across my forehead. Trent Trent Rabi would have said write it across your heart. But Ex- exactly. exactly. But, but that I mean you touched on it Nicky the fallout from the cup um, competition that Roma lost and there was a a <sighs> Controversy after that because the English referee Ant- Anthony Taylor. We're was... back in the car park, are we? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, you you've been looking at the video about this actually because he addressed he did address that issue, didn't he? Because he, to a certain extent, has to carry some of the blame for that in the public opinion because the club aren't backing him. Yeah. So this was, I think, one of the most interesting parts of the interview. But I don't know if it's any interesting to those of us who are like real Mourinho watchers and That's it's all part of us. our career to be a real Mourinho watcher. <laughs> exactly. But but uh, this was one of the points where I definitely felt that only did a good job of not letting him off the hook. Um, because you know Mourinho said, "Well, because there's this, the whole thing after the final was, of course, Mourinho was recorded seeming to call to call Anthony Taylor an effing disgrace." Um, 
And Zazzaroni said, oh, you know, he said that in the tunnel. He said, oh, Taylor wasn't in the tunnel. And there was this back and forth where Zazzaroni was going, what, what he was. And, and Mourinho was denying it. And Mourinho's eventual explanation was, no, 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 you know, I'd been there in, in the car park. The UEFA refereeing group comes out and he names Howard Webb and someone else in that group. He does, you know, he, he doesn't, again, suggest that Taylor was there. And actually, looking back at the video, as I just did with Andy before we came on, you can't see who he's talking to. It's off camera. So we can't say watching it that for certain Taylor was there. Regardless of whether or not he was, Mourinho's other line was that um, an effing disgrace uh, is just the same as using the Italian word. I don't know if I should say it or not. Uh, you can. I can. Okay. The Italian word cazzo, which, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, it's a reference to someone's junk, right? Like that's, that's your... It's uh, vulgar. Yeah. But it's it's not the same as, as an effing disgrace. It's more like just using the F word actually in Italian. Like, you know, if, you, if he was just saying that, then I think it would be less targeted. Effing disgrace to me is aimed at somebody. That's calling yeah. someone a, a name. And I think language is important. Of, of all the people who know language is important, Jose Mourinho knows yeah. language is important. Famous it's, football it's, translator it's, once upon a time. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a little bit like in Spain when you've you've had... Um, players before and I think Victor Valdez was one of them actually when he was at Barcelona there's a difference um, between calling someone Sinvergenza shameless and calling them Una Sinvergenza because you're saying you know is this an, a shameless action or are you calling them an actual shameless person yeah. at which point you're accusing them of cheating basically and nobody understands that stuff better than Jose who of course exactly. famously was exactly. an interpreter he, he knows this stuff but he's using the fact that he knows this stuff in the interview to try to persuade you that you're wrong about what you heard and and I, I think he's 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 clearly trying to do a bit of a, a a retelling of history on that one but what he did say along with that and whether or not you agree with him and his take on this I believe he sincerely feels this is that well if you tell it yourself enough times <laughs> yes yeah but I, but, but I think he, but he sincerely feels that the club should have spoke up for him after that final and defended him after that final and again I don't agree with him because I think a club has its own duty to its own sort of image and to its um, you know everyone else involved at the club to, to not necessarily go along with every sort of time when a manager says things they shouldn't but I I can understand what Jose is saying which is no if I'm in this we're all in this we're all in this together and that's kind of the story he always tells by the way yes every club he goes to all I want is you to be with me and I'm with you and we'll do it together do it so, all again in the final in Dublin next year <laughs> that's what he said so could be could be I'll tell you what we're all going to do together now is return to our best because we always recommend a game of the week. And for this new season, the first game of the week to recommend for our listeners would be from you, Andy, what? Well, I'm going to be in Munich this weekend. Whether yeah. uh, Mr. Kane will be joining me, we'll we'll see. You've just been watching him as well. Didn't you watch him against Shakhtar Donetsk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where he spent quite a lot of time waving to all four stands. But, you know... How draw, many goals did he score? Is all we're interested four. in? Four. Only four? But it's, it's only a friendly as well. So it probably only counts as two. Um, it's the Super Cup final um, between uh, league winners, Bundesliga winners, uh, Bayern, and uh, Pokal winners, Leipzig. This weekend should be interesting. Of course, Leipzig have had a whole profound refit. They've lost their three best players in um, Kunku Gvardiol and Sobosly as well and, and spent some serious money out there. Mm. So that will be interesting on several levels as the curtain raiser for the Bundesliga. I will be enjoying halftime currywurst 
And obviously, I've just come back from holiday, so I've probably had too many chips. They they do a uh, curry uh, vert. A curry sausage. Yeah, curry yeah, sausage. yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what they do out there? Yeah, it's big. It's big. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, n- no fries because I've probably had a, a, a too many on, on holiday over the last couple Tell of weeks. Me about it. Um, but, um, yeah, f- five a day. Okay. Bit, bit of top quality sauerkraut is, is, is going to sort me out. Please don't eat the curry verts by itself without um, at least something to wash it down. I thought you were going to say <laughs> without a napkin, like tucked in the top, probably, probably. But but no one does alcohol-free beer like the Germans. It turns out. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Nikki, game of the week. The real answer for me is the Lionesses on Saturday morning. Ooh, Lionesses against Colombia yeah. is the yes. game I'm looking forward to this weekend. I can't wait for it. Um, you know, Colombia have actually been really fun to watch this this tournament. And like I said, has been brilliant. But obviously, I hope. Um, England thumped them. Um, but I guess um, to give you a, a men's football one as well, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go lean into my um, Italian um, role on this podcast and pick a Coppa Italia game. Genoa taking on Modena, mostly just because Genoa signed Matteo Rotegi this uh, summer, who of course was the, depending on how you want to sell it, either the great hope for Italy up front or the uh, desperate reach of trying to find an Oriundo who can play up front for Italy um, so I'm excited to see him come and play his domestic football in Italy and uh, this will be the first chance to get to have a look at him and we know you love to <laughs> offer us a delicacy to well you see this is it. part of why I have to always make sure I pick a game that I can pick a choice for you because <laughs> yeah. I know that's what Appreciate you really that. want of course um, so England game morning game I'm not that big on breakfast so that's just a pot of tea we keep that simple mm. but um, for the Genoa game you can't go wrong with Genoese focaccia for Focaccia in Genoa is like a, a second religion, very serious about it. And uh, focaccia with some onions and some stracchino cheese, like a soft spreadable cow's milk cheese. Very, very nice. Thank you for listening to On the Continent. Make sure that you join us again tomorrow for Ask OTC, where we'll be answering all of your questions about the latest news from the world of European football. And make sure to subscribe in your podcast app so that you never miss an episode like this amazing first one of the season. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.